0: Welcome to the Classic City Sports Podcast. down the gonna And the dogs If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you are in the right place. Then you are in the right place. third down. Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underground and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone. And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide. Hosted by Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams. Georgia on the mountaintop demons be gone and the drought is over national champions at long last Just sit back relax and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to
1: all right, welcome back to another episode of the Classic City Sports Podcast. As always, Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams. Uh, as Dan Kylie is saying in the comments, this is a weird one. Uh, this is the first time we've had to do a show after a Georgia loss in over two years. Uh, actually, two years ago right here uh, with it being just after the SEC Championship game in 2021 where they lost to Alabama. Here we are again. Uh, Georgia losing to Alabama in the SEC championship game. So we are going to cover that, talk about the Alabama-Georgia SEC championship game, talk about Georgia getting its bowl game selection, and uh, going to get in a little bit of like the playoff expansion stuff because that's what everybody's talking about this year with the way it played out in the college football playoffs. It's been a little bit different than we've seen over the entire 10 years. This has been the most uh, complicated scenario when getting the four teams in that we've ever had. Uh, so it's a, a, you know, it's the, I guess the last hurrah for it is here's why we're changing it. it is this exact reason is what people were worried about. But um, here we are. Jonathan, how are you feeling? Honestly, not too bad. I mean, even
2: after the game, imme- like immediately, I'm talking about like as soon as the clock hit zero and Alabama's on the field celebrating, I think I'm more so just took the perspective because like let's be honest I mean we all knew that this run would eventually end did it end quicker than what we anticipated than what we would have liked to? Sure. absolutely. but I think also just immediately once it happened, it was just kind of like dang bro, it, it really was like two years that we sat here and we got to talk about win after win. I mean 29 straight shows started essentially. I know we missed a few there in between but 29 straight shows, you and I sat here and talked about Georgia wins. Yeah. I mean that's remarkable to think about how you and I got to do that for such a long time and I mean I put it in the perspective of this as soon as I enrolled as a student at the University of Georgia Georgia didn't lose a game until yesterday. I mean I've been a, I've been a student at the University of Georgia for 2 years now. And I've gotten to witness two national titles and didn't watch a single home loss during my time as a student. Like, that's just remarkable stuff. And that's stuff you can't take for granted. That's just stuff that you have to admire. And you have to soak that in when you can. And that's why we continue to say, like, enjoy these moments, man. Because when we say it's the glory days and it is, and I'm saying it's now doom and gloom for Georgia by any means. But, you know, you just have to enjoy those moments for what they are because not many people get to enjoy that. And so I... The loss sucks. It does. It sucks that you lost in the fashion that you did. it sucks, sucks that you lost to the team that you did. But hey, they played a better game than you did. And you just got to tip your hat to them like you always have to.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what hurts the most when you're a Georgia fan in this situation is the fact that it happened to be Alabama in this game. And it's just like history continues to repeat itself. And uh, everybody, like all week long, going back to like you talking with Brooks and, and Christian Kirby on your show and uh just saying, like, what would it mean this week to beat, you know, Alabama? And it was so much talk about, you know, getting the monkey off your back, finally solidifying yourself as that team that is now, you know, the more dominant team in college football. And all of a sudden it all comes crashing down. Because, you know, you lose by three in a very, very tough fought game. And before, you know, we get into everything, I will say like eh, we're all going to be in agreement that there were some questionable calls by the refs in that game that definitely did not help Georgia. And there were some things that happened that you could point fingers, you know, if players weren't healthy. Things were going on. I get it. But honestly, I'm not going to sit here. That's the only time you're going to hear me say that in this show right now is because just to acknowledge the fact that there was things. But at the end of the day, it was a three point game. And Georgia was, you know, a five and a half point favorite or something like that, that they, even with those, you know, that, that point swing, Georgia theoretically should still be the better team and be able to win that game. And when it all comes down to one play that you want to focus on, everybody focuses on one play. And it was a big, it, it was a big deal. Don't get me wrong. It was, but if you come into a game and you lose because of one moment, one game or one play, one call, whatever that is. That means you messed up and did not execute in several other ways. I've said that forever. My high school coach used to tell me that when I played it back a long time ago. At this point, I'm getting old, but that's something I've always I've always thought about and I've always used is if it if you can sit there and try to blame it on one singular moment then you messed up several other places because you should not lose a game because of one singular moment. And when you really want to look back at some of the stuff that happened in that game, the final nail in that coffin is fumbling on your own side of the field when you're trying that that reverse back to to Dylan Bell and they fumble the handoff and Carson Beck doesn't see the ball, you know, thinks that Bell has it and just standing there and, and obviously Bama recovers and they score. I think they get a field goal right there, which is mm-hmm. the difference in the game. That is the three-point difference. You can focus on something like that. Rather than focusing on you know a call by a ref or anything like that, there's a lot of other things that happened in that game. There were some drives that Georgia put together in that first half that seemed like they were uh, you know kind of out of their normal realm of what they would do on offense going three and out two times in a row, I believe um, after scoring that first touchdown to start the game and and some of the plays that they were doing and some of the execution in those just it wasn't there and so you could point the finger at one particular play all you want you really can but at the end of the day it's it's you you don't lose a football game because of one particular play. That just is the one that everybody focuses on because it was the most obvious situation, right? Mhm. Yeah, I mean, I said it from the very beginning
2: of the week. I felt like if Georgia scored 30 points, they would win the football game and I was right. If you would have scored 30 points in that football game, you come away with the victory and your SEC champions. And so, I, you know, I thought the defense had a great game plan, whether you want to say it was questionable sometimes or the defensive line played the pass rush, whatever, sometimes a little questionable, whatever. The defense played good enough for you to win that game. I mean, holding Bama to 27 points when you've been averaging nearly 40 points per game, that tells you in history that you should win that football game, especially when you look at Jalen Milroe's splits. Like, I think he finished the day with – 92 rushing yards and maybe 186 passing yards with two total touchdowns. I mean, if you were have show that stat sheet to Georgia fans earlier in the week, Georgia would have liked their odds. So I thought Georgia came in with a great defensive plan and they executed for the most part. And Georgia's defense gave the offense plenty of opportunities to go in there and take the leader, tie it up. And it's exactly to your point of you know the biggest nail in the coffin was you made the final big mistake like Brooks mentioned last week you can't do it yep. and he fumbled within the own twenty yard line and then even then your defense holds them to three points which a ma- which was a massive victory at that point so yeah you know you can point it at the missed field goal but then you can also point it at the false start that puts it to the fi- that puts it to a fifty yard field goal instead of a forty five and it's good from forty five if it's not from fifty and you know there's a lot of things that you can point your fingers at but bottom line is. Alabama's defense just for five straight drives boxed up Georgia's offense. They kept them from doing anything, especially after the opening drive. And they made life tough for Carson Beck. You know, that's the first game where we've kind of seen him rattled a little bit. Like Carson Beck rolling out to his right and throwing across his body back to the middle of the field. That's something we haven't seen him do all season. So you could kind of tell that he felt a little bit uncomfortable. He was feeling some pressure and – you know, offense just didn't deliver, and you end up costing you the game. So tough loss, but I mean, it is what it is. Al- like, and this is my point here. For some reason, Al- i mean, Nick Saban is eleven and one in SEC championship games for a reason. That dude gets his team to play the perfect game in Atlanta every single time he is there, and it's tough to beat a team when they're playing their perfect game. And that's exactly what—I mean, Alabama played their best game of the entire season, and you didn't. And that's what—that's all she wrote.
1: Well, and to go back to what you said a second ago about Milro is it wasn't even as bad as what you just you just put right there, because his stat line was 192 yards passing. So a little bit more on the passing yards, but rushing yards, which there were sacks involved that take away some of the rushing yards on it. But his stat sheet is 29 rushing yards. So total offense was 221 yards. That's it. That's all you gave up to Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow did not beat you throughout the entire game. Now, when it came down to the last couple of drives, the last two drives that they had the ball, and you really needed to stop from them, that's when Jalen Milrow beat you. Those plays yeah. that he made to extend and to break through, that's that's what beat you at the end there from Jalen Milrow. He was able to do it. But throughout the entire game, Georgia contained him very well. I, I have no complaints overall about Georgia's defensive performance in this game. I think if you were to step back and look at you know, how many yards they got, it was just over 300. I think it was like 306 yards total offense. I just told you only 192 yards passing. Um, I think it was 117 or so yards rushing. So they didn't have – an explosive game. They weren't killing you with no. explosive plays. They weren't beating. They were just, they were able to a couple of times put together some big drives where they went 10 plays. And what was one of them was what 92 yards or something. Yeah. Uh, they, they had, it was like that. That's the, if you want to talk about a, a moment of the game that killed you, it's that one right there. You have your punter put them within the 10 yard line and they drive the ball 90 yards downfield or something of that nature and score a touchdown, I believe on that drive. That's that's what kills you. You can't let that happen. A Bama offense isn't predicated around having sustained drives. They they're used to beating you on you know big plays. That they that's how they've had their offense all year long. And that drive right there kind of kills you when you give up that many yards on one drive. That many plays takes up that much time. Uh, but your defense overall, like I said, I'm not I'm not blaming the defense at all for this game because. I don't think there's anything – when you look at the stat sheets and you look at how they played overall and then you watch the game and see that they weren't just gashing you, they weren't your problem in this game. You know, you, you turned the ball over, gave them points that way. There was a questionable, pa- a questionable call that did lead to some points for them, and your defense overall was, was standing pretty strong. The issues that I had in this game, and I'll flip it to you again in a second on this, but the issues I had was it, it was some of the offensive decision-making that we saw um, – you know, early in that game. That second half, I think we played a lot better. I think the, the game plan was different. They made the halftime adjustments that were needed, but I think the initial game plan that we saw when they came out into this game in that first half, you know, they had the first drive that was 83 yards touchdown. And then after that, they stalled for four or five straight drives where they couldn't put anything else together. And that's what killed you. You you needed to get something on one of those drives that you, you know, stalled on right there. You needed to put points on the board One of those times, and then, like you said a second ago, you know you're in position to make a field goal, and it's supposed to be 45 yards. There is a false start called, which they only showed it on the replay board once, and I it was hard to see. It's very hard hard to see. I I couldn't see what happened, and I'm not saying they didn't jump. So I'm not. Don't take. Once again, I'm not blaming anything. But Mm -hmm. that five yard difference right there. If you look at that field goal that was kicked, he hit the upright barely. If he's five yards closer, the ball's going in. Um, mm-hmm. So that's another thing that's a mistake on Georgia's part that leads to this because you lose by three points. Anything like that, when you're talking about a three-point game, you can point the finger at all of it. But mm-hmm. overall, I, uh, you tell me what you thought about the you know offensive performance in that first half because that that's what I would focus on as far as being why Georgia lost this game.
2: Uh, I mean, really the only play call that I wasn't a huge fan of was the double reverse. You're on your own end. You're on the 20-yard line. I just wasn't a fan of it. That's not the time to get a little trickery on an Alabama defense. I don't feel like that's the situation. I just, you know, that was the only one where I was like, ah, I don't know about that one, Bobo. I appreciate the creativity and I appreciate the optimism that maybe that one hits. And you know what? If Beck does hand the ball off cleanly to to Dylan Bell, maybe he is still running in that football field and it goes on to hit for an explosive and they hit for a big play and they go and put points on the board. But you didn't execute it and it cost you in a big way. I think the reason, you know, a lot of people were disgruntled about, uh, you know, the truck sweeps going to the short field of the boundary on those truck sweeps and whatnot and trying to hit the edge instead of maybe just running up the middle or trying to ground and pound the gaps with maybe Milton on some of those third down situations. But I think what it was is, you know, Alabama had some big guys on that defensive line, and I think they were pushing the pocket inside all game. I mean, they were pushing and resetting the line of scrimmage for a good majority of that football game. And I think Bobo just liked his odds better out on the edge. And you know what? Maybe if you have a Marius Mims in for that entire football game, that edge does get set and some of those plays do hit and your drives continue, but you didn't have a Marius Mims. You didn't have one of your future NFL football players for the majority of that game. So it's tough. I mean, it just didn't execute. you know, some guys didn't hold their blocks. Alabama did a great job of pursuing the football and did a great job of getting off of their blocks. So, Tough decision there. And then for defensive, um, kind of going back to that conversation I was saying of, you know, you can say what you want about the defensive line pass rush. And you know, Georgia ran a lot more zone than they typically do, but that's a byproduct of who Jalen Milro is. Like you can't run a ton of man coverage against Jalen because that means your defenders' eyes are all turned with their back to Jalen Milrow, focusing on the receiver. And that's where those big scramble plays get to happen. So, yeah, sometimes it led to him being able to sit in the pocket for what seemed forever, and then some guy eventually getting open or a guy getting out open in the flats. And we're like, why are we not covering anybody? Well, it's because you got to protect the explosive from Jalen Milrow's legs. So whether Jalen Milrow had impressive stats or not, he impacted this football in a big way just of the threat that he posed offensively
1: the game plan that he made you have on defense for him. I mean, shoot, Georgia had a, a two-linebacker spy on him for the majority of the game, and Georgia has not done that about against any other team. Um, and that's something that you could question overall is, you know, maybe start with, you know, that's how that's how scared Georgia was of him making plays with his legs. Yeah. That's what it tells you because, you know, most of the time you would just start with, you know, spying with one guy, you know, your most athletic linebacker that you have you know fastest that kind of thing at linebacker they put that guy in there but no they put both you know two different guys on a quarterback spy for the majority of the game and that takes away a pass rusher um, that takes away from you know as a coverage guy out there so it, it kind of just when they're not trying to beat you with his legs because that didn't happen in this game And you're doing, and maybe that's why, right? Maybe they saw that, and maybe that's why he wasn't scrambling out too much because he knows if he scrambles out, that, you know, that spy is going to fire off at him and he's going to lose yardage or put himself in a bad spot. So maybe it worked in that aspect of it. And, you know, we don't really know because the play didn't happen. Um, But, that would be the thing. that I think they were, they were nervous about it, and they planned for it. Uh, what I did love is, especially in that fourth quarter, the aggression that Georgia showed, even with that situation with his legs and everything, the aggression they showed where they were sending so much pressure and trying to get to him, and it started to work at that point um you know in that second half that was a, a good adjustment to try to keep yourself in that game and give your because you needed something to happen at that point right you're down by you know 10 points in the second half you need a play to be able to pull you out of it you need a stop and so you have to kind of risk a little bit and so they started doing that they got aggressive which was great and it worked for the most part in that second half georgia wins that second half of that game they just lost the first half that's the problem um but, yeah, I think Georgia overall, going back to the offensive side, what you were talking about a second ago, as far as plays that you weren't so happy with, uh, the reverse is one of those things that y- you're getting cute with it. And I, I'm not getting mad at the call, but I don't necessarily love the call or understand it. But it, it, you're getting cute in a situation where I don't think you need to. Uh, the truck sweep you know, to the boundary, it was at third and two. That's the one that everybody focuses on. Everybody and their mama knew that Georgia was running that ball. So it it personally and once again, I'm not an offensive coordinator or a coach in the SEC, so they know way more than I do. So I'm not saying that I know more. But me personally, I would have loved to see them let Carson put the ball in his hands, you know, and, and give him a chance to do something. Because that was my biggest takeaway in that first half, especially with a few of those drives after that touchdown drive where they moved it very well and he was throwing it very well. They seemed to take the ball out of his hands for a while. I don't know if it was because they you know, saw something on the defensive side and they were worried about the coverage and you know, they didn't want him to put him in a bad spot. So maybe they were helping him by doing that. Uh, but it was one of those things that I felt like in that first half, we, we took the ball out of his hands and didn't let him make the plays that we needed him to to kind of move that ball. And so even him, there, there's a clip from CBS where he's walking off the field after that. Because think about right before that third and two play, they, they don't get set. He's trying to get people moved around. He's trying to communicate with people. And it then they end up using a timeout. So they stop the game. And then they come back out. They run that truck sweep. And after it happens, he walks off the screen or walks off the field. And you can see a camera on him saying, what the blank are we doing? That's what he said afterwards. So even he was frustrated with the situation. Um, but I think that was my biggest takeaway, too, is that first half just let, let Beck back. Play the game, like put the ball in his hands, trust your targets, trust your your weapons out there and trust Beck with the game because otherwise you can't win that game if you don't trust your quarterback.
2: Yeah, I mean, the only thought that I could have is there was like a string of plays, I think it was maybe three of them, where they were turnover-worthy throws. I mean, there was one where they he were. essentially throws it into double coverage to Brock Bowers. That one should have been intercepted. Another one down to the left side of the field, kind of like an out route. I can't remember who it was, to. I think it's to Dylan Bell. That one should have been picked off Amos, jumped the route, and nearly picked that ball off. So there's quite, yeah. there quite a few throws that Beck had where it was like, whoa, like, we're not used to seeing that kind of like, you know, Brooks made this great comparison of like, you know, if you recall to some of these games that Stetson Bennett played in, you know, there's a few moments where he would have those throws and like the Monkin would kind of have to. Settle down the offense a little bit, get him resituated, and then cut yeah. him loose again to get him more comfortable in this football game. And I think that's what Bobo was trying to do to Beck, maybe calm him down a little bit. Cause look, I mean, that is his first bit. I mean, that is the biggest game of his career. It's it's tough to go in there and play like you have all year. You know, he hadn't struggled all year. And so it kind of happened in this game a little bit. Um, so I think that it and and also too. Brock Bowers, Lad McConkie, freaking Warriors, they put it all out on the line for Georgia. I mean, every single play, every single moment where you thought maybe they would get sent back to the sideline for the rest of the football game, they came back out every single series. I mean, there were multiple moments where everybody's like, okay, Lad's done. We're definitely shutting him down, and he'd come back out, and those guys were limping every single time they got up. They were walking very gingerly the entire game, and they stayed out there. But they were also not 100 percent. And that also means you don't have 100 percent of your offense. You don't get to call 100 percent of the plays that you have been calling all year. And that kind of restrains things a little bit for Beck, too, because there's been so many times where those plays to Brock Bowers and those plays to Lad McConkie have what kept drives going and have really opened up the offensive play call. So didn't have those guys 100% healthy, and that that kind of bit you in the butt a little bit, I think, and it hindered the offense. and But still, I mean, kudos to that, those guys because, I mean, you could see it at one point in the t- on the TV broadcast where they kind of panned Lad McConkey McConkie when they took him off the field when he was limping. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could see it in his face. He was hurting the fact that he could not be out there 100% healthy, impacting the football game like he typically does. Those guys were hurting, but, man, they put it all on the line for Georgia, but like must much, much like a lot of other players did as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to touch on everything you just said there, but going back to the offensive side of it real quick where you're I I think you're right because there definitely were plays that Beck had throughout the entire game early in the game and then late in the game where he put them, you know, maybe he put the ball in danger a little bit and they could have very well been picked off, which at that point turns the entire game around and you're not even within three points. So maybe that's what uh, Bobo was doing by trying to run the ball on those two drives. Uh, especially those two drives right before the half. And uh, that kind of, you know, killed you a little bit. But I would have, in that situation, I would like to see maybe they start just on the short pass game, maybe get some screens in there. Uh, the extensions of the run. Because Bama's front seven is extremely good, and and they're going to play that run. They played the run very well. Georgia didn't get, but 70-something, it was in the 70 range of yardage on the ground, so they weren't exactly running the ball well through the, through the entire day. So seeing maybe if they would have opened up with some screen plays or something to kind of stretch out that defensive line, those linebackers a little bit, uh, to kind of help in that way. That that would be my only suggestion with it, but I think you are right. He was putting the ball in danger a couple times, and so maybe they were trying to calm him down, kind of get him back in the groove of it, make him see the defense a little bit better before they put him in a situation to turn the ball over. Uh, but going back to talking about Ladd and Brock, but man, I, I can't believe that Georgia even let Ladd McConkey stay in that game. The number of times that he would get up off the ground and could almost not walk, but then would line back up and keep playing it was crazy. Like it, just talks about the character of these kids that are out there and how much they want to play for this university and how much they wanted to win this game. They absolutely, you know, put every bit of what they had on the line. And uh, with Brock Bowers, yeah, there was a couple times you saw him doing the same thing. And I think Rusty Manziel is the one that said it uh, was after the game. Bowers walked past and he said, Bowers could barely walk after that game. Like he, that's, that's how he, he didn't show it on the, on the screen as many times as like Lad did where Lad was like visibly unable to, I didn't see that as much from Brock, but I did see it a little bit, but Lad was clearly like unable to kind of, he was hobbling the whole time he was out there and he stayed out there, but Brock was able to hide it a little bit better. But apparently after the game, like I said, Rusty Manziel said he was literally just, unable to walk for a little bit like he was struggling to walk and that's that's crazy to me it it tells you how much they care about this university and how much they care about georgia and 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 how they will put it all on the line for him which brings us up to what else we need to talk about is you know the bowl game and stuff like that coming up we got georgia versus um fsu down in miami in the orange bowl and that's the question that we got to start looking at we won't know today we we don't know today there we know a couple people that have said they are playing but we don't know who said they aren't playing yet. And uh, it's, that's what we're going to be looking at next is what players are going to sit out of this. Uh, and before we even get into it, I want to tell everybody else, whoever decides to sit out of it, it's okay. Like, don't, don't do the thing where you go out and say they're quitting on the team, they're doing all this stuff, especially if it's Brock Bowers or Lad McConkey; Those two dudes, like, they've earned every bit of respect that you could ever give them. If they decide not to play, you can't say a, a negative thing about them at all.
2: Oh, no. I, I And you know what? I think for the most part, most college football fans have kind of just accepted the fact that this is what is going to happen when you are not in the playoff. Like guys are going to sit out. And you know what? Some guys at this point in the season, they deserve a chance to just sit out and maybe, you know what? Soak up one more time with their guys, maybe not on the football field, but still be there with their people and just soak up one last minute. Would it be great to see 19 and 84 out there one last time, assuming that 84 And Brock, which we know Brock Bowers is going to the NFL, but assuming that Ladd goes with him as well to the NFL, wouldn't it be cool to see them in the Georgia G one last time? Absolutely. But I think they've repped it enough for the fan base and they've done enough to help this university in a big, big, big way because you don't win back to back natties without those two. So, yeah, it's going to happen. But the mindset that you have to have is that you just get to get excited about these younger guys. You know, it's a great opportunity to see them play. Got to see that a few years ago when we played Baylor in the Sugar Bowl. You yep. know, I know I know George Pickens was already playing a good bit at that point, but we really got to see how special George Pickens was in that game. You're good to see a lot of young defensive guys. This defense is still very young. I think that's what you have to remember is that you're still going to lose some valuable players on that defense. But a lot of young guys like Kristen Miller was making big plays. That's a sophomore redshirt freshman. He was making big plays. And we've seen Jordan Hall throughout the season, another freshman. And Taylor we know Walker how young he's going Ethan. crazy. I know
1: he's been yeah. in there. Uh, you know, he's not a f- true freshman or something, but he he's played like lights out in that game.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, so that's what's the mindset you got to have is that you get to see what your team is kind of looking like next year. They get a whole month of practice, and um, you know that's 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 something exciting to look forward to. And you get to play a valuable opponent. We'll get to see if Florida State maybe was one of the four best teams, and we'll also get to see if Georgia was deserving of one of the four best spots. I mean, we know that Georgia probably was one of the four best teams this year. It just didn't work out for you to get into the mix with one loss, and it's unfortunate that it happened that way. But you know, it is what it is, and you keep moving forward. But still, I mean, heck, being in the Orange Bowl, being a New Year's Six Bowl, that's still something that's very dealable deal. and you should still yeah. get excited for it.
1: You should, and that's what I wanted to talk to you know, just say to Georgia fans right here is this has been an incredible run by Georgia. Twenty nine straight games, two national championships, an SEC title, multiple ga- uh, bowl game wins, all of the stuff that you've been able to put together. It's okay to be in a situation to lose. I know a lot of you and including myself pretty much forgot how it felt to lose one of these games. Yeah. Cause it has been two years, literally two years since you've lost the game. It, it's okay. You know, at, last time somebody pointed out to me today, uh, last time Georgia lost was the sec championship against Alabama. And guess what? The next game was the orange bowl. They went and won Ooh. and they started a 29 game win streak from there. Ooh, I didn't Boy, come up with that, that myself. That. Somebody told me that today, and they're but they're not wrong, right? So we're, <laughs> we're in a situation done. now where y- you you can start this again, Jordan. Now, especially moving forward, right now, I'm not saying you're going to start a 29 game win streak again, but this is the thing that Georgia fans have to realize uh, going into this game. One going into this game with with Florida State, Florida State's got a lot to prove right now. They've really? just got told they weren't good enough. You know yeah. what I mean? They, they just got told they are not good enough. So this game is not one to sleep on because Florida State is going to give you everything they have. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to be able to go out there and beat Georgia. But if Georgia, even the, the players, if they were to be complacent with the situation and go in there and, and act like it's not a big deal, Florida State's going to make it a big deal. It is a big deal to them. They have a lot to prove. And Georgia, honestly, Georgia has some stuff to prove, too, if you really look at it. Now, I know they had a different situation than Florida State, but they still have something to prove to say, hey, we were still one of the better teams this year. We can show you why. But Florida State's going to come play this game. They're going to come play it very aggressively and be ready to go, so you can't sleep on it. Um, but going back to it, Georgia, one thing I want to point out to Georgia fans is this is the last time you will see Georgia – miss the playoffs with Kirby Smart as your head coach. With a 12 team playoff situation, I'm I'm promising you that Georgia will not miss the playoffs moving forward with Kirby Smart. You could lose two games in the regular season and still go on and win your SEC championship game, right? And you would be one of the top 5 teams in the playoff situation because the top 5 com- or the t- the 5 conference champions in the Power 5 get the top 5 spots. The first 4, the top 4 ranked Will get the bye and be in that top four and not have to play the first week. But you at least, if you still if you lose two regular season games and go on and win your SEC championship game, you're still in the top five. I mean yeah, I mean, the the goal is now to be top eleven,
2: because you can't be top twelve because that total spot nope. gets kicked out by the group of five. So you have to remember that. It's very key to remember. So there be every year that 12th team that's been there all year, maybe if they've been the 12th ranked team for the entire season. They're going to be the ones that are pissed off because they're going to get the, they're going to be the ones that get bounced because of a group of five. So you want to be a top eleven football team. I mean, when when was the last time Georgia was not a top eleven football program under Kirby Smart? Stoddard.
1: They they had the first year.
2: Yeah, that's it. I mean, the so first year for for the last seven years, Georgia has been a top. <laughs> le- maybe <laughs> first during COVID season. year, maybe during COVID year as well. But like for the last seven seasons, essentially, Georgia has been a top eleven football program. You're still recruiting at a top three rate. Um, you're going to get guys back. You're going to lose some guys. Yeah, that's true. But that's why you also recruit at a top three rate. Got a tough schedule next year. But like, yeah, like you said, it's a it's a perfect time to have a tough schedule because we no longer have to hold the angst and the um and the anxiety of potentially losing a game during the regular season and it costing you because now the door is open. And you know what? That kind of sucks as a college football fan that there it, maybe it isn't as refreshing or as – um satisfying to go undefeated in the regular season anymore because at the end of the day like it's not all that matters but still you know it leaves the door open for you to make a have a shot of the national title and you know there's been quite a few seasons where georgia didn't make the top four and georgia fans felt pretty confident that they're in the top four they would have a shot at the national title now you'll finally get those yeah. shots
1: you will and and let's look at this real quick because if there were a 12 team playoff system this year, and going back to what you just said, the number 12 team would have been Oklahoma this year, but they get the sh- shaft on the situation because the number 12 team in the rankings does not get that 12 spot because that 12 spot goes to the group of five, the highest rated group of five team, which this year would be Liberty. So it would be as it stands this year, number five Florida State versus number 23 Liberty for one, the first round, then Missouri and Oregon, number eight and nine. Then Georgia versus Ole Miss, 6-11. and 11, And 7-10, and 10, Ohio State and Penn State. That's the first round that we would be getting. How many people really want to see Ohio State and Penn State play again? How many people really want to see Georgia and Ole Miss play each other again? Best game that you're going to get in this situation is going to be Oregon and Missouri. That's going to be a decent game, but Oregon is, is most likely winning that game in that situation. Um, and in the situation that it currently stands, Liberty would lose to Florida State. We all know that, but with what we just saw this weekend in the MPShip game and with them not having Jordan Travis, it would be a little more competitive than people actually expect it to be, but Liberty's losing that football game. So we're not, we're not getting as much extra that people would think from a 12 team playoff situation. That's why I've always been the advocate. You and I've talked about this several times. If when they were going to expand it, I said, six teams, let's go to six and see how it goes. You give the first two teams a bye week, the other four play. And then they, you know, settle up afterwards. Or worst case, you know, if you really want more than six, just go to eight. Eight's fine. Like I'm not, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Go to eight. You know, you give the first four teams um, a bye let the, or not. You can't do the first four teams. However, that was situation where I don't remember how it were. Two teams get a bye. The other six play each other, um, move on that way, that kind of thing. But they went straight to twelve. And so this is what we're going to be dealing with starting next year. Now, it would have been beneficial in the sense of Florida State doesn't get left out this year. Georgia doesn't get left out this year. So you get those, those teams that do deserve to be there. Uh, and uh, Dan, I see you talking in there about you know Georgia being the one that should be more upset about the situation. But honestly, I, I don't necessarily agree because we knew going into this game that if Georgia lost, I, I told everybody last week, Georgia loses this game Unless you have some straight chaos throughout the rest of it, they don't get in. Like so, you knew it was coming. Like when Georgia lost last night, I comfortably sat at home and said Georgia's not getting in the playoffs, and that's okay. Like it's been a big good run. FSU is the one that should be really ticked off about it this year because they did everything. They they won every game. They got their conference championship. I understand that you know they don't have Jordan Travis and they didn't look good in the last two games, but they still won them if I was going to be one of the two teams being upset I'm not very upset at Georgia right now cuz like I said I didn't expect them to get in I'd be really upset if I was a Florida State fan
2: I mean both fan bases have reasons to be upset I mean they do I I, I think that the whole reason why Georgia fans should be upset is that the fact that you know Florida State was They stayed at four pretty much the entire time, no matter what they did not move. They stayed in that area and the committee continued to say, we're going to make sure that we put, they they said themselves, they said, we're going to put the four best teams. And so from Georgia's perspective, it's, We were the number one team the entire year. You know, outside of two weeks where Ohio State held the number one spot, we were the number one team. By your ratings, by your rankings, we were the number one team throughout the entire regular season. We go and play an extra game, not against Iowa, not against Oklahoma State, not against any of these other teams, not against Louisville. We don't play any other teams. We had to play Alabama and the greatest coach of all time in Atlanta, and we lose by three points the first time in two years, and we get penalized by dropping back four spots, five spots, you know, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. And it sucks it because is. ask anybody, ask any committee member, ask any f- college football fan if they think Georgia is one of the four best teams in college football, and they would tell you yes. But it sucks this year because, you know, everywhere else, we have finally had a situation where we had enough one-loss teams, and those one-loss teams beat Georgia, and everybody else took care of business, and Georgia gets knocked out, and they're not in the final four. So, you know, it sucks because – From a fan's perspective and from anybody's perspective, Georgia should deservingly be in the college football playoff. But because of these standards that we've set and because of this criteria that you have to check and everything, you don't get in. So it sucks. Absolutely. You have every right to be upset, but no reason to harp over it because it's over.
1: Right. And my my thing, like going into it, you and I sat here and we talked about it and said that, you know, Georgia, if they were to lose, we thought, you know, they need Texas to lose. They need FSU to lose to be able to get in. But in in retrospect, looking and seeing what just happened, and going back to what you were talking about with Florida State, they were uh, they were dropped to five um, two weeks ago, I think, and then after went beating Florida, they went back up to four because. Uh, or, or Ohio State lost to Michigan, so they dropped out. So then they went back up to four. And going back to what like you've talked about so much this year is these rankings matter because they show you what they think. And so then they put Florida State up there. So I was sitting here. We were sitting here talking about it, going, "Well, that means Florida State has to lose in order, and, and Texas would have to lose in order to put Georgia in." The reason for that would be because Texas would get the head-to-head over Alabama, so they would be in. And obviously, Bamble would be in over Georgia because they just beat Georgia. So those would be the two teams that slipped in. So you thought you needed Texas to lose and Florida State to lose to be able to slip both of those teams in there. But in reality, what I think would have worked, because they showed you that they weren't going to put Florida State in, obviously, all you needed to happen was Oregon needed to beat Washington. If Oregon beats Washington, the argument no longer comes down between those three teams, Texas, Alabama, and Georgia. It goes down to, hey, there's Oregon versus Georgia who should get in. And at that point, Georgia's only loss being to Alabama in the SEC championship game, that would be the argument that Georgia theoretically could have won and gotten into the playoffs still. That's one of those things. It's hindsight's twenty twenty on the situation. We thought it was Texas and FSU, but in reality – it would have just been Oregon. All you needed was Oregon to, to win that game.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's kind of the issues that I've had with the committee for quite a while now, and I get it. I look, I, I prefer the committee over just some computer crunching down some numbers and spitting something out and telling us this is who the two best teams are and that's who's going to go play in the national championship. I agree that the committee is better, but – I feel like there was a lack of consistency throughout this entire thing. Like, for one instance, there was one week where Tennessee beat UConn, I mean, drubbed up UConn by like 40 points, and they jump up like six spots in the top 25 in the college football playoff committee. Like, what? Like, we're valuing a win over UConn that much? And then there's other teams where they would lose – And they would drop back like two spots. So I felt like there was a a lack of consistency consistency throughout this entire process with the committee where it really felt like we had no idea what was about to happen. I mean, heck, last night I went to bed and I was like, well, heck, there's no way that Alabama gets in. The SEC is not going to be represented in the college football playoff. And then all of a sudden we wake up this morning, they put Texas at three. And I was like, they are about to put Alabama in the college football playoff. As soon as they put Texas
1: at three, you knew it was coming.
2: Yeah. And you know, at this whole, like if if that was your thought process this whole time, like if that's kind of where you thought this was leading, if you kind of felt like FSU, there was a chance that they weren't going to make it, then why aren't we just putting them at five or four? And I know why they did it. They put them at four to save their own ass in the end, grand scheme of things. So in case Florida State went in there and just absolutely demolished Louisville, then they could say like, okay, we can put you in the final four now. So they didn't save themselves, but like I feel like there's a lack of honesty, there's a lack of consistency, and there's some vagueness around these rankings where we don't really get a good idea of what could happen in certain scenarios. Just like if Georgia loses a three-point game in Atlanta, you're going to drop five spots. We don't get that information, and we don't know that until it actually happens.
1: Well, we did that's the thing though, is when we were sitting there looking at like I know everybody we talked about it last week and I, I got into a conversation with a couple people in the comments and things after last week saying that, you know, just being sure that Georgia would be out. I I, I really did. It, it, I thought yeah. Georgia was out. Like yeah. I did, I did know that was gonna happen because of the way things were playing out this year. Um, but I want to ask you, because I know we we talked about this after the first playoff ranking, and you were adamant about like how much the playoffs rankings matter like in previous times. But what the committee just told us is no, it doesn't. Like, it doesn't. They just showed us that, man. Like, because of the way it all played out, like, otherwise, like you said, Georgia shouldn't drop four to five spots because technically if you go to the ESPN app, they have them both at five with Florida State, uh, five and, and five. If you look in the app, it's there. there's no six next to Georgia's name. It's just five. But obviously it's five and six because that's what it's going to, they have to actually put them somewhere else. So they did put Florida State above you on the, on the board. But, so you see Georgia drop that fart FSU doesn't lose this week they go and win and they drop out of the top uh, out of the top 4 that doesn't make sense and, and Alabama jumps from what were they 8th they went from 8 to 4 mm-hmm. so they jump 4 spots and Texas goes from 7 to 3 so they go 4 spots like that's that's crazy to me yeah, like that means that the rankings don't like to me it, they don't matter because they just are just going to ball it up and throw it away when it's all said and done anyways they don't care. Yeah, I, it,
2: it's, it's crazy to think like, dang, if beating us does that much for you, if beating Georgia lets you jump up that many spots, how, how are we not one of the top four teams in the country? Why are we not in the college football playoff by your standards? I mean, dang, if a win against us is that valuable, that tells me that we still should be one of the top four teams in the country. So there's a lot of – and that's what I mean by like, this seems like there's a lot of vagueness and it's just – there's just a lack of consistency. Specifically this year, I just felt like the entire time, like there was one week where I felt like there was going to be some movement in the top 10 and they didn't move a single person in the top 10, Harvey. I think it was the week that Ohio State lost. I think Georgia moved up to number
1: one and everybody else kind of just sat there in the same spot and they just bumped everybody. Like, I felt like there's four an moved, Any Anyone that was above Ohio State went up one spot. Yeah. So Georgia went up to one, Michigan to two, Florida State three or whatever. Like all of the teams went up one spot and or Ohio State dropped back to six. Did they drop to six, I think? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you know anyone behind six and ten, like six through ten stayed the same, or uh, seven through ten stayed the same. None of that moved. And you
2: know what? I'll hop on one final soapbox about these college football play- playoff rankings this year. I'll, I'll do it this one last time. And, uh, you know, if we want to close the show with this or you want to comment on it, I'm sure you will. We can do that. But this is my thought on this. And, I, you know, I haven't really felt passionate about these rankings now until I guess I got live and hit the camera on and wanted to really thought about how (laughs) messed up it is. It is is pretty messed up, all right? And I'll speak for Georgia fans a little bit here. Uh, I feel like these playoff rankings are very reactionary to one week. You know, we sit there and we put it in a vacuum and we say, okay, what did Georgia do this one week? Okay, Georgia beat a top-10 team in Ole Miss at home. Okay, we'll put them at number one. Georgia lost this week to Alabama. Well, they're now out of the top four because they have a loss their name. but we're ignoring this entire stretch of 12 games that they, they just went through where they played the best brand of football for four weeks. I mean, the best four week stretch in all of college football, without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, Georgia looked like the best team for the entire second half of the season. Your rankings told us that everybody knew that. And, but instead of looking at the entire record, instead of looking at the entire season, and how everybody did for the entire season, we just want to put it and focus on this one little week that happened in the, last, in the first week of December, and that's what knocks Georgia out. But I'll tell you what, Georgia is more deserving of a playoff spot than Michigan is, an undefeated Michigan, absolutely. You tell me that I'm supposed to sit here and act like I'm impressed with Michigan shutting out Iowa, a team that has more punt yards this year than they do total offensive yards? That's not impressive to me. And the fact that they have two freaking cheating scandals in one year, I'm supposed to be okay with them being number one in the college football playoff rankings, and Georgia gets to sit at home, and they get to sit all pretty and let Jim Harbaugh smirk on the camera and talk about how blessed he is and how thankful for God he is that Michigan gets to be in this opportunity? That's bull crap, man. I'm not here for it. Georgia should be in that position, and if you think that Michigan is one of the top four teams, I'm sorry. You're a Big Ten homer, or you're a meat chicken fan, or whatever get out of here because I'm sorry. I'm, I just can't be okay with that. And I think it's I think it's horrible that we sit here and we lie to ourselves like that. And we want to put this product on, on here at the end of December or the beginning of January when there's a team sitting outside of it going to play FSU in the Orange Bowl when they most deservingly deserve to be in one of the college football playoff spots.
1: Not even just deservingly, because that's the whole argument this time, right? It's like they, Bill Hancock came out and said, it is not about who is deserving. It is about the four best teams. And that, I think, is what goes back to what you're just saying is, do we really think that Georgia is not one of the four best teams? Georgia just went to a three-point game against Alabama at a neutral site, so they are neck and neck. You can't tell me those two teams are that separated in, in the grand scheme of things. They're both right here. Like three points, that is... A field goal, come on, that is a close game, so those two teams are neck and neck. So you're telling me that there are you know two other teams out there, three other three other teams out there that you would favor over Georgia that would you would line up with in a college football playoff game. I'm talking Michigan, I'm talking Texas, and I'm talking Washington. Those three teams, you're telling me those three teams would beat Georgia? No, they Georgia would be favored today. Georgia would be they would favored, be favored against all of them. They would be favored against Alabama, most likely, again, if you go back by that standard. But the reason, this is what killed Georgia. You, as funny as this situation is, what killed Georgia is Bama losing to Texas yeah, in Week absolutely. Two. If absolutely. Bama beats Texas at the beginning of the season, Texas is still, you know, say, and just for the argument's sake, to not have them as a two-loss team, just for argument's sake, say they still beat Oklahoma later and they don't lose that game, and their only loss is then to Alabama. Georgia's gonna get in over Texas. Yeah. In that situation. Uh, the, the Texas win against Alabama through a monkey that, wrench and all of this. That killed Georgia. That is what killed Georgia, is the fact that Alabama went and lost in week two in September. And that game matters, don't get me wrong. I am not gonna sit here because I'm the biggest, you know, a person standing on my soapbox talking about. These games in the regular season matter. Going back what you just said, Georgia's four-week stretch, what they showed you, winning 12 straight games, what they did over the entire course of the season. They deserve to be one of those four teams. They are one of the four best teams. But with that, I also cannot discredit the fact that Alabama lost at home to Texas earlier in the season. So when that happens, you got to live with the result, and the result is, unfortunately, that's what's going to keep Georgia out this year because Texas beat them in week two. That's what yep. did it. And and going back, talking about last thing I want to talk about because I, I I posed this question to you guys earlier, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Georgia, or in this situation now, we're going from talking about the committee being a problem. The committee, you know, making this decision, and it seems like so so subject- subjective. You can make arguments for everybody, and there's there's 13 people in there making this decision for the rest of college football. It doesn't quite feel very fair. We're going to 12 teams. You know, the first four teams are your highest rated conference champions. Mm-hmm. Number five is the one that's right behind them, still a conference champion. Well, really, number it's twelve
2: champions because you only got four now.
1: That's true because Pac-12, yeah, so it's just, that's I forgot about that. So the Pac-12 is going to be no more. So you're going to have four. So your conference champions are one through four. So five through 11, they get to decide who's in there but 12 is still also decided by the, the best power five or a group of five team, which this year is Liberty. So they're only picking when, when you're looking at the committee, they're going to be picking matchups for the first round and that kind of thing and, and putting the teams where they want them to, where they want to play. My, my question is, go back to the freaking BCS like system and let the computer tell you who the, the those teams are you don't need you don't need 13 people in a room making a decision for the rest of college football anymore what do we what do we need a committee for at this point they are not going to serve a purpose anymore man we have what are officially
2: they for? we have officially come full circle now to where we now did. we want the, we want the BCS ranking system back I
1: mean my gosh it's it's been that long already good Lord. We want it um, back because it's not two teams anymore. I don't want a computer telling me about two teams. I get that. It, I, I 100% you know supported that. But we're to 12 now.
2: This is why you need the committee. And it's it's the exact reason and point that you are making earlier. Nobody wants to watch Ole Miss play Georgia at home in the first round of the playoffs again. Nobody wants to watch Ohio State and Penn State play each other again in the first round of the playoffs. And that's why you have a committee because they get to sit there and they'll tell you and act like, oh, well, we think Ole Miss needs to bump up one more spot this week. So now we have Penn State and Georgia playing against one another in the week one of the college football playoff. You know, that, that's what the committee is going to be there for. And that's where they benefit, in my opinion.
1: So the, the once again, what I said a minute ago, too, is the, the whole point of the college football committee is just to make your matchups. That's all they're going to be deciding yeah, is what are your matchups? So yeah. they're, they're not really going to be picking – because. Whether they admit it or not, you know they they pay attention to like the AP poll and where all those teams are ranked there to help them decide where they want to rank teams when they especially with the first college football playoff ranking, right? Yeah. So like with that one, they have to be going off. They're not just looking at it and like perfectly guessing all these teams. That's it almost mirrors what the AP poll says. So the only thing they're going to be doing at this point is they're going to be doing that separating those teams and giving those matchups. That's all they're going to be doing. They're going to be improving the TV product of it and the the money of it because that's what it all comes down to. Once again, is they're going to put the teams together they want to play that are going to have the most viewers and have the most ticket sales, all of that kind of stuff. So that way we don't get the Ohio State versus Penn State. You're you're right. That that would be what the purpose would be for. But other than I mean, other than that, like they're not going to be. We're not going to sit there anymore. Think think about it. This morning, even even knowing Georgia lost this game, and I, I had told myself I had come to terms with it before the game even started yesterday, that if Georgia lost, Georgia was out. I had already come to terms with that. But I'm still sitting there watching it just to see how everything else plays out with the whole chaos of the situation of is Florida State going to be in are they gonna bump Texas in or uh, bump Texas up to three and put Bama in like they did? How's it all going to play out i'm sitting there watching an hour long college football playoff show or multiple hours. I turned it off after the first hour and switched to watch the Falcons play their version of the ACC championship game uh, from yesterday but I still, <laughs> so I didn't watch anymore but what are we going to we're not going to want to watch that anymore we're not going to like we're not going to care how, how much are you like you know who the four teams are like they they can't like you said there's only four conference champions moving forward so that means they don't even have a decision of whether or not you get a buy they can maybe match up those teams but that doesn't even decide your matchup yet because you've got to let the other games play out to see who you're going to play afterwards so like mm-hmm. that part of it the committee no one's going to care what the committee says anymore.
2: Well, you know, nobody likes change. Nobody likes big change, especially just something that they love and that that, that, that they thought was perfect. That's college football fans in a nutshell. They don't want their game changing. They don't want conference realignment. They don't want none of that. I'm with you in that. I think it sucks. Next year's going to be a big change. But just like anything else, we'll get used to it. And college we football will. will be college football. And we'll enjoy every single freaking Saturday that we get to wake up and watch college football all day. And nobody can tell us to do anything different because that's what we do every fall. So, Still will be that. Don't get too disgruntled about, it, but you have your reasons. Absolutely, those reasons
1: are valid, no doubt. So here we are at the end of the season. If I had told you, you know, if I had, if I said, "Hey, Jonathan, football season starts in three and a half months," we're both going to be dang. Feels like a long time. It's a long time away. But I'm sitting here now, and we are 13 games, 14 weeks into the season, and I'm saying, "Hey, it's been three and a half months already since the season started." And we're going, dang, already. It's over. Mm. That sucks. Football season goes by so fast. So, like we've said all year, enjoy the situation where Georgia's been in. You know, it's been a fun run. It's one of those things that you know it had to come to an end at some point. You you set the record for the SEC consecutive wins at twenty nine in a row. Uh, Your second all time in wins in a row. Two national championships. Uh, At the end of the day, it does suck to lose. No one loves to lose, and we haven't felt this feeling in a long time. It's been two years since any of us have even had to talk about a Georgia loss at this point. Uh, But it's still the glory days for Georgia because moving forward, like I said earlier, you have a playoff spot for the, the foreseeable future in a 12 seed system. So Georgia, give them the chance to do it, put them in the playoffs and let them handle it that way. Uh, You know, odds are high. Georgia is going to win a national championship again in the next couple of years. And as a Georgia fan, you can still be excited. You don't need to burn, you know, burn the house down and freak out over the loss. It's it is okay. It sucks, but it is okay. Um, but Jonathan, that's all I got for today.
2: All righty. Well. Get excited for the Orange Bowl. You get a whole month to look forward to bowl games, but specifically Georgia playing on the 30th in the Orange Bowl against Florida State. So we get to focus on that. We get to talk about it. We get to talk about one last game for our dogs. Make sure to remind a Florida fan that they are not bowl eligible again this year. That needs to be a daily reminder for them. So if you haven't done that today, make sure you do that because sometimes I need a little reminder. They're not the brightest of fan bases. Uh, Anyways, that is going to do it for us today on the Classic City Sports Podcast. Like and subscribe if you haven't already. Love all you guys in the comments section as always you're doing all that great stuff for us we're going to continue to be here each and every weekend to re to build up this orange bowl as much as we can give you as much insight talk about transfer portal inserts and talk about players that are not going to be playing in the bowl game and whatnot so a lot of good stuff to be talking about there's our social social handles down below if you haven't followed us already make sure to do that to keep up to date with the show and stoddard you can close us out
1: yeah, and hey, uh, on that, like he just said, we will be talking about the transfer portal stuff next week when it because it opens up tomorrow, I believe. So there will be some stuff that happens there. And now that Georgia is out of the you know playoff run, you'll probably see some more names from Georgia earlier than you expected on that part of it. And then national signing day or early national signing day will be also in this stretch while we're waiting for this uh, for this game against Florida State. Down in Miami on December 30th. So uh, keep that in mind. We will have plenty of content for you. So don't go, you know, freaking out and leave for the rest of the year because of everything that happened. We still got plenty for you. Uh, but as always, keep it classy in the Classic City. We will see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Classic City Sports. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Classic City Sports Crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at the Stodfather, to Jonathan at Dr. Underscore J Will, and make sure to follow at Classic City Pod for show updates. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime... of the game.